0: Well, praise God, man. I'm glad everybody's tuned into the broadcast tonight. I'm glad everybody's here. We're going to have another great service tonight with Pastor Wynn preaching and doing worship. And so just so you don't, if you just tuned in, just so you know that, you know, what's going on. uh, If you've been watching the Wednesday nights message that I've been doing and just teaching on the spirit of life, well, it's going to be the spirit of life tonight. Pastor Wynn's doing it. Praise God. We'll be back next week with our regular services like we have been. And so uh, we're going to do things a little different tonight, shake things up. And so I'm going to open in prayer and get going, and then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Wynn. He's going to come up, and he's going to teach for a little while, and then he's going to do worship at the end. So that way he gets you all soaked in the Word, and then you can get the whole flow of the worship all soaking in you. Amen? Amen. So let's get started tonight. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord God, that as we've gathered here from all over the world, Lord, to be here together as one body, one voice, crying out to you, Lord. I thank you, O oh God, that you are God who arises in our midst and our enemies are scattered. I praise you, O oh God, that you are you are, are such an amazing, loving God, that tonight, Lord God, that as people tune into the broadcast, it's just like the prodigal son, Lord, that you run down that path to meet them and speak to them and love them and kiss them and hug them and bring them back into right relationships and fellowship with you. Lord, I praise you tonight that you touch people all over the world in whatever need they have that Lord, as the anointing goes out from this broadcast and goes out from in this service here, Lord, it touches our lives and we're never, ever the same because Lord, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. And so, Lord, I thank you that you're working in us tonight, forming in us tonight, and that, Holy Spirit, you have your free reign to work within us. And so, Lord, I praise you for that. I thank you for people that are out there that don't even know why they're tuning in right now, maybe have never watched the Waterhole broadcast before, that, Lord, they're compelled to just tune in and to hear. And so, Lord, I praise you for that. I thank you for that. You're such an amazing, amazing, amazing God. And we love you. And so, Lord, I just thank you for having your way this night. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now, turn around and shake a few hands. Tell a few people that you're glad to see them. Greet a few people there. (laughs) Welcome one another to church. Now, all of y'all out there watching on the broadcast right now, you may want to call your friend and just say, hey... uh, Go tune in to the Waterhole broadcast right now and get them online and watching, because I just believe for a major, amazing service tonight. So, Pastor Wynn, are you ready?
1: Good evening, everyone. It's really good to be here again. You know, at my time of life, I always say it's great to be anywhere. But it's absolutely fantastic to be with you. I can't see a, a person. I can see some blotches, but I can't see anybody's faces. Those lights are so good, aren't they? Yeah. Do they make me look younger? That's what I want to know. Uh, welcome to anybody on uh, uh, connected through our website. Thanks for tuning in. I know uh, this is one of the greatest places in the world to tune into and receive the Word of God. So if you're lacking a church or if you're struggling in your church, then... Tune in here every Sunday and Wednesday night and you'll get real good food from the Holy Spirit. This is a great anointed church. Um, yeah, I, as I said, I'm going to teach the word tonight because it just leads us into worship. And I, I just think sometimes it's, it's great to hear the word and respond. That's the idea anyway. You hear the Lord speak and you say yes and amen to him and you respond. So, But Pastor Robert asked... Uh, and said some people are asking how to stay in contact with us well we have a, a brand new a brand new it's about a, a year old now i think a, a, a website that we even still working on it bit by bit but you can you can catch hold of us and see what we're doing around the world at wingos.com that's simply at it. just my name.com and just don't forget the e at the end of the win because that's ten- the W-Y-N-N will send you somewhere else. But WinGoss.com, in fact, do it now. Go to it. I always love to mess up the religious rules in church. You mustn't use your, your phones or your iPads in church. You know, like, well, that's where all the Bibles are these days. But go to the website right now. If you want to use your phone or whatever, go to the website. And just press the sign in for the email, and you get an email every week with a, a teaching that goes out to all the world. Yeah, This church, as I said on Sunday, this church has supported Gwenda and I so magnificently through all the crisis, through all the uh, COVID. Because we, we didn't actually go out through our door to preach anywhere for over two years, nearly, nearly two and a half years. And, uh, and yet the Lord ministered and a huge support came from here. And we want to say thank you for that, for all of it. But, you know, we, we were able to um, continue the ministry through the TV studio. And through the Zoom meetings with churches all over the world, pastors over the world, I said to Pastor Robert that just just a few weeks ago, I came down and I uh, I was still in my you know early morning sloppies as we call them, uh, getting my cup of coffee and I get online and I see there's an urgent message from a, a a pastor who's been tuned in and watching the the programs for the last few months you know and so I respond to him and and I spent about. 45 minutes ministering, counseling him, and teaching him things about the spirit and things about the word of God and things about life. And and then straight after, another one happened. And straight after, another one happened. By nine o'clock in the morning, I went into the, uh, the kitchen and I, Gwenda's wondering where on earth I've been because I'm late for breakfast, you know. But I go in and I say, sorry about that, honey, but I've been preaching the word of God and ministering and doing leadership training in five continents. In one morning, all five continents, I just, I was staggered. I thought, I haven't haven't even got out my sloppies. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've done graduation services with sloppies on the bottom and a nice shirt and tie on the top. And none of us, they don't know at all. But so we kept doing it. And and the TV programs, as I said, we have no idea where they're not going now. It's easier to say where they've not been, but we don't know if they haven't been there or not. But we haven't had any response from places like the Solomon Islands. Um, I don't know. The Solomon Islands have Wi-Fi, and I don't know. I have no idea. But some of those far outlandish. But we we are ministering. Believe it or not, we're ministering to churches in Tibet, Amen. Nepal, some of the furthest reaches of China and Russia. Just. Right across India, Africa, all the African all the African nations, every part of India we can think of and and just every part of the of europe and it's you 're going to see an awful lot of people in heaven that you 've never met, but they got there because of you, Amen. and so uh, thank you for that and but you can sign up to get the emails, you can write an email to us through the through the um, the website, you can even donate if you want. A million is spelt one zero 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 zero. And that would be really helpful right now, because we're about to take another huge launch in the ministry. Um, back a, a few years ago, I turned 65, and 65 is the normal year that you retire. And I just got to that place of wondering. Was I going to retire? Is it going to, you know, is that the time for me to do that? And the Lord said, No, you're going to refire, not retire. And then to explain what's happening over the last few years, because I I want to tell you, we're doing more in the last five years, or last four years, than I was doing in the last forty. We're reaching more people now than we've ever reached in our entire ministry. And a friend of mine is a very, very well-respected and well-known gardener in England. And I had a problem with this wonderful, I don't know if you know what a rhododendron bush is, but we have these wonderful, glorious bushes that can grow almost to the size of a house, you know, but they're beautiful, colorful flowers and Gwenda and I love them, you know, and this one just seemed to be dying for no apparent reason, just really dying, but yet it had all these incredible new blooms that have never come to fruition. They were just stuck, like they had frozen. And there was hundreds. We'd never seen this bush have so many flowers. And we thought, my goodness, it's going to be Christmas three times over all at once, you know. But it wouldn't come to anything. It's just the leaves went dark and then the, the stems went dark. And my, my friend came over and I said, hey, come and have a look at my rhododendron. Well, tell me, what's wrong with that? Well, he didn't know. And he said, well, it could be a couple of things. It could be a disease, of course. He said, oh, sometimes these rhododendrons... They know it's the end of their life, and all of a sudden, they put all their energy as if to say a final farewell. And I said, thank you for describing what Jesus is doing in my life. He is giving me a final hurrah. I'm blooming more now than ever. <laughs> no, not you. In the word. In the reach of the ministry, we are blooming, we're blossoming, we're going out all over, we're going as far as we can go, as fast as we can go, as thorough as we can go, we're impacting more than we've ever known. In fact, I don't know, how. Just, just stood over here as we came in, and I said to Pastor Robert, I had a ding on my uh, iPad, because it's connected to the Wi-Fi here, and I looked down and it's somebody right there and then, it's just... Hit my website and gone and have a look around. It is from the very village I was born in. <laughs> Who is that? I have no idea. Maybe it's a great great lost uncle or something. But that's what's happening, and you're part of that, and we would appreciate it. So please drop us a line, send us a message, hook up, and see where we're going so that way you can pray for us and you can join in with us. Because some of these places we go to, we're able to live stream like we do here. And you can see us more often than once a year. I promise you next time we come, it will be we, not me. Okay. Gwenda will be here, Amen, because I love my life, and i 'm not having coming between Pastor Robert, Laura, and my wife, because those three want me to come, her to come next time, so <laughs> Jeremiah chapter four, verse three to six let 's begin here um, there's two passages I want to look at today and we're going to try and pull them together to show how you can defend your nation with worship. You know, worship is not passive. Worship is aggressive. Worship is warfare. Worship takes the devil right off the throne of someone's life and replaces him with Jesus. Worship delivers you from darkness and puts you into light. Worship will stop the work of the enemy in a track, in a second. Worship is where God belongs and where God dwells and hell itself can't get anywhere near him. When God moves in, all everything else moves out. God does not share a heart with any person. He doesn't share a temple with anybody and he doesn't share a body with anybody. He's not going to share it with any demon and he's not willing to share it with sickness because when he moves in, he begins to rearrange the furniture. He begins to rearrange the house to suit his personality, to suit his characteristic, to suit his will, to suit his joy. And all I can tell you is you'll at the end be the right way up and you will be inside out the right way up He will realign everything for you. And if he realigns it in you and you become a worshipper, then you begin to worship. You release a canopy of that presence from within you. The presence of God does not come down. It comes up from within. Because the Old Testament saint praised till God came down. But the New Testament praises to release God up and out. Hello? Hello? And it causes a canopy. And I want to talk about that today. I've already told you the message. If we could just turn every single believer into a worshiper. You see, people believe because they go to church and they sing songs and they like those worship songs. They're worshippers, No. That don't make you a worshiper at all. An unsafe person can come in here and sing those songs. That doesn't make you a worshiper. I'm going to preach this way. Worship is the condition of your heart connection with a father. It's intimacy. Hello. And worship, I'm fascinated. I've always said this. I'm fascinated with church life. Christians come together, led by a worship team the presence of god comes because there's faith released as the people begin to worship him he responds the faith releases the anointing to come up the presence of god comes we all sense the presence. We've loved the presence. Sometimes people get saved and people get filled with the spirit. People get healed. People's lives get renewed and changed. Marriages get restored. Wow. Just in an hour or two in a service, and the word suddenly comes alive because the presence of God is in the room and people's hearts are wide open. And I've always said, if that's what happens when he visits, what on earth will happen when he stays? Well, you see, if we just come in and worship and go, oh, wasn't that lovely? I can't wait for next Sunday. Hello? But if we turned it into a lifestyle, it's what I do from the moment I open my mouth and open my eyes until the moment I go to bed. I tell you, if you had a lifestyle of worship singing in the spirit from the moment you woke up to the moment you went to bed, I tell you what will happen in between. You'll still be doing it. And when you wake up in the morning, you'll already be singing in the spirit. Because your spirit never sleeps. Your spirit is always awake. Therefore, when your body goes to sleep, your spirit and soul have a dance. Hello? Miracles start taking place when we begin to have a lifestyle. So let's look at Jeremiah chapter 4, 3. And I'm going to unpack it as I read the scripture. I'm going to unpack it as we go along it so we don't go back over it. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Full stop. Put a pause. To this prophecy is no different than the prophecy of Isaiah. Both are aimed at the same people. Jeremiah is prophesying in this passage of his prophecy to the men of Judah, a tribe, a family, a, a, a stream of people who are of the same DNA. Okay? He's not talking to an individual. He's not necessarily talking to the Jews. He's talking to the people of Judah. And the word Judah comes from the Hebrew word Yada. And the word "yada" means to stretch out your hands and open your palms and release your praise, a shout offering, a shout to praise. This isn't I don't feel like praising, so I'll praise That's a different word. that's Toda. But this is "yada. This is because I am full of thankfulness for what God has done and what God is doing in my life. And therefore, I am overflowing and my expression is greater than when I'm having to sacrifice my praise. This isn't sacrifice. This is overwhelming joy. This is overwhelming thankfulness. Have you ever overflowed something? Have you ever filled something, walked away and forgot to turn the water off? Yeah, And I've always said to people, what are you full of? Because whatever you're full of, you are overflowing. So if I came today with a a needle and I stabbed you in your head, blood will come out. If I stabbed you in the the soles of your foot, blood will come out. If I stabbed you anywhere, blood will come out. Why? Because you're full of it. And the needle is just like circumstances. The needle is just like when the negative things begin to happen in your life. When stuff you don't want to come to you begins to come to you and all it's going to do is just jab you. Yeah, but if you're full of praise, if you're full of thanks. Thankfulness. If you have a lifestyle, I'm telling you now, if you have a lifestyle of thanksgiving, if you have a lifestyle of praise, if you have a lifestyle of intimate worship with Father, you are constantly filled with overflowing power, constantly filled with joy. And that thing can jab you and the only thing you'll do is begin to leap up and down and spin around like a top because that's who you are. And it lets it out. Golly, I, I remember in the early days, do you know, I got saved in 77 and I started attending a charismatic group in a Methodist church because that was where I grew up and that's where I was. And one day, because of something that happened, they said to me, when would you share that thing about from the book of Acts and Paul being in prison? Somehow, the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation. And I began to... Come the next week, all prepared, as nervous as could be, because I was a shy young man, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel called to, the, to, the, to preach in those days. That, that hadn't happened yet. But there I was with the Bible in hand, and I had a, just about three things I wanted to say. But one of the things that came out in the middle of me speaking, which was a revelation that I have carried around the world for the last 44 years, In my telling, this tale of of Paul and Silas going into prison because they were arrested. And as they're in prison, Silas, the young disciple, turns to Paul, the great man of God, the, the apostle who's taken the Gentile nations by storm. And Silas is wondering, what on earth have you got me into? Because this is the first mission trip Silas has ever been on. It's like traveling with Pastor Robert. You never know what's going to happen, you know. And Silas is probably looking at him going, what a fine mess you got us into. You know, what are you going to do now? What are we going to do now? And he says, oh, we're just going to lift our hands. We're just going to yada our way out of this situation. And they begin to sing because all the prisoners could hear them. Listen. When most Christians get in a situation, it's that's not Paul. He's singing so loud that about 600 prisoners can hear him. Now, they may be a captive audience, but they're not a friendly captive audience. <laughs> you can imagine Silas going, not so loud, not so loud. You don't want to upset them. Because they maybe don't love Jesus like we do. Need couldn't care less. He's in the middle of a world situation with a captive audience, and he knows there's one thing that matters. He is going to sing. Why? This might be the only time those people ever sense the presence and power of God. Right. And when they prayed, I had recently heard somebody preach that message. That's what inspired me to study this passage. The person that preached it said to me, and when they prayed, God snapped their chains and the door fell open and Paul and Silas were free. And as I was reading it, I went, absolutely wrong. It doesn't say that at all. It says every chain came off. It says every prison door came open. It says all the captives were set free. It doesn't say Paul and Silas. And right there and then, I thought, God... Give me a church that will praise like that. Because if ever the church will praise like that, the whole community is waiting for the liberty of the Holy Spirit that it would bring. The whole World is waiting for the church to get into a lifestyle of praise and worship that they lift up their hands and they begin to rejoice and be thankful for God. Why? Because thankfulness precedes every miracle. You will not get a miracle by moaning, but you'll always get a miracle if you start thanking God before you see the miracle. The miracle will follow your faithfulness to thank. Because thanks is declaring to God, you believe it. Thank you. I don't want to repeat stories, but sometimes I just don't know what you've heard and what you haven't. I've been coming here for so long now. Is this my 20th year? I think it's my 20th year of coming here. Thank you for that underwhelming response. Oh, is it? Is it? Is it really? Is it really? Oh, okay. Like a trial of patience. You've endured us. (laughs) My I went to South Africa to minister back well, a long time ago when my, my daughter Esther, who's now almost 40, she was like five or six, a blonde bombshell of a girl, just all girl. And she always used to say, bring me back a present, daddy, bring me back. So when I drove up, she flew out of the house. Now I understand, she didn't fly out of the house for me. She flew out for what I had. She flew out of the house because she wanted to know what I'd brought her back from South Africa. Yeah. But I accepted that, and I just thought, well, I'll ignore it and think she's coming out for me. She wasn't, but I flew out the door, stood up, and before I could hardly stand up, she's leaped, leapt, sorry, le- leapt into my arms. Daddy, 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 what would you bring me? <laughs> you know? So I go in the house with her, and I haven't been home five minutes. So I've given her whatever she wanted, you know, and, uh, and I'm sitting there talking. She comes to me and goes... Daddy, can I have sandals? So I looked at her, totally surprised. I said, sandals, what do you want sandals for? Well, it's springtime and everybody in school's got sandals. So I said, well, what sort of sandals are you talking about? So she describes them. So I said, yeah, okay, we'll get you sandals. And she ran out the door. She never said a word to me. She just ran out the door and was going into the street. And I thought, where on earth is she going? So I followed her out to the front of the house. And she's running straight across the street to Barbara and Don's house, and they were the eldest couple in our church. And she runs through, their door was wide open as it was in our streets in those days. She ran straight in, disappeared for about five minutes and came running all the way back. And as she ran into the house, she slung her arms around my legs and began to kiss my legs saying, thank you, daddy, thank you, daddy, thank you, daddy. I can't wait till Saturday. And I looked down and I said, why? What's happening Saturday? And she said, you're buying me sandals. I said I'd buy sandals, I didn't say when. But she's made up her mind, she's having them on Saturday. I saw Don and Barbara later in the day, and that's what she'd done to them. She ran in the room and said, Daddy's buying me sandals, he's taking me to the shops on Saturday. Look at the faith, look at the confession of faith. She's declaring what her father is going to do. Who's in authority, her or me? Well, it doesn't matter who's in authority. I'm telling you, faith is working. So she begins to come to me every day and she said, Daddy, what day is it today? And I'd say, Monday. And she said, five more days. And I go, five more days to what? Saturday, when you're taking me to buy sandals. And she never asked me ever again for sandals. She just thanked me every single day. On Saturday morning... At 8 30 in the morning, I've had a long week. I'm having my coffee in bed. I'm enjoying my conversation with my wife, and there's a knock on the door. I said, Come in. She walks in and she's dressed. She's dressed. (laughs) She got a coat in her hands. She's done her own hair, She's which is pretty hard, it was it, because you had hair down to here. But she's done her hair, and I looked at her. She, you can see she's done her teeth, she's washed, she's dressed, and she's ready. I said, what are you doing? She said, come on, we're going shopping. You're buying me sandals. Everything in me was going to say, no, no, I'm not getting out of bed. This is my morning off. I'm tired. I'm having my coffee. No, like a slave, I got out of bed, walked into the the bathroom, had a shower, got dressed, went downstairs. I I wasn't allowed to have breakfast. We didn't have time, apparently. She's out by the car. I'm out by the car. We get in. We go to town. She gets her sandals. she only ever asked once but what she did after was the key she just thanked and a father that could have easily said no just followed the words followed the faith what did Jesus do with Mary when she said just do what he said he turned water into mature wine yet he just said to her this is not my time (laughs) <laughs> Never tell that to your mother. <laughs> when a mother wants something, it's yes, ma'am. Do you think maybe Thanksgiving would move the heart of God to do something? Yeah. I think it will move the heart of God when it wasn't even on the agenda. Right. I think the heart of God is that he wants to respond to our praise. He wants to respond to our faith. And faith Sorry, praise releases your faith. And I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Okay, let's go on. This uh, message message is to Judah and Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a city. But it's a capital city. And a capital city rules the nation. So this word is not just to Judah. It's to the people of a whole nation. So this, what he is about to say, is going to influence the whole nation if they respond. Can I tell you if you begin to live the lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving uh, as I'm talking and begin to yada and begin to toda and begin to rejoice and shabak, shabak is to play with a musical instrument and sing in the spirit. If you begin to do these things that are described to you over and over and over in the scriptures if we would just do them and live them and make it a lifestyle at the first Thing we do when we open our eyes is Ramaka Shandarabogoya Mandala Lagobria, and the last words Ramaka Pasende la Koba. And when you go shopping, you'll need to go Ramaka The price is today. I'm telling you, if we begin to do it. A canopy begins to affect our household, and our household gets affected, and the canopy spreads because it depends on where your faith level is, it depends on where your authority level is. But the more you go into a lifestyle of worship, and the more you understand who you are in Christ, and you have a daddy, and a daddy is the biggest sitting on the throne, greater than any sickness and disease, greater than any famine, greater than. Than any drought, greater than any circumstance, He is greater than them all, and He is your Daddy. And you can run into His presence and climb onto His lap at any given second, just like my daughter could run in at forty years of age and do it to me, and I would be delighted. And I told somebody one day. I was talking to somebody very, very famous and very, very respectful. And my daughter, no, no, my grandson, my first grandson, Jesse, ran in through the door, breaking the protocol. And he ran up, granddad, and he just climbed up on my lap. And everyone else, Jesse, come out, Jesse, come out. I'm going, no, this guy is more important than this guy. To me, that guy is really important. Not, but not as, not as important to me as my grandson. Hello? Why? He's welcome to come in. So I just hugged him, kissed him, gave him what he wanted, and off he went. And we carried on our conversation. That guy was absolutely blown away that somebody would do it. <laughs> yeah, but we talk about it, but we don't do it, do we? Right. But we are invited and welcome to run into the presence of God our Father and climb upon His Wow, what a position, what a right. Anyway, if you get that canopy in your life working, it'll begin to affect this canopy. And then it begins to affect your family canopy. And then it begins to affect your street. How do I know that? Because worshiping led me to a place where the Lord led 32 people to Christ in my street alone in six weeks. And from there, it spread and spread and spread. Everywhere we went, the same miracle would take place. Imagine if you could get a Christian believer in your street to actually believe how to release thankfulness. Could you imagine if two Christians got into agreement to do it? Could you imagine if three Christians in your area got together to do it? Could you imagine if you all went prayer walking down the streets and in the highways and the byways and just began to sing in the spirit together, just began to stand in the street corner and just worship God? Could you imagine what's going to happen? The canopy stretch is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger Until the whole city comes under the influence of God. And that's the message I want us to pick up on. Let's go on through Jeremiah Jeremiah a minute. It goes on and says, Break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground means downtrodden. It's been walked all over. It's been left alone. It's not producing fruit. I'm telling you now, there should be no fallow ground in the kingdom of God. There should be no fallow ground in any Christian. There should be no fallow ground in the church. We're supposed to be the most fruitful region in the community. If nothing's working somewhere else, it ought to be working inside the church. We should have the greatest soil that everything that's sown in us should reproduce. You have a pastor, you have a leadership team, you have traveling ministries, some of them the very best in the world. (laughs) Come into you, ministering the Word of God week after week after week. You can get the Word on the internet. You can get it on your phone. You can get it on your iPad. You can get it on your wristwatch. You can get it on your TV. You can get it on anything you want, day or night, in any language you want it, with every translation of the Bible you can possibly have it in. There are more Bibles now than have ever been printed in the entire history of humanity. There is so much, but yet so many Christians lie fallow, not producing. And that is not the sign of the kingdom of God. That's the sign of a wilderness. But you are not in the wilderness. You're not supposed to have a wilderness second, let alone a wilderness life. There are no wildernesses for Christians. Jesus went to the wilderness and turned it into a place where you defeat the devil and he purchased us from the wilderness and he redeemed us and has caused our heart to have the ability to be fruitful and our lives to be fruitful and everything about us to be bearing the fruit of the Spirit the gifts of the Spirit the evidences of God it should be natural for someone to come to a Christian and know that they are a Christian I don't need a fish on the back of my car I don't need the biggest Bible in town if that's only what tells them. I'm something wrong because if it's not my worship, if it's not my lifestyle, if it's not my faith, if it's not my smile in the midst of a midnight hour, if it's not my overwhelming joy that I don't care what comes against me because it's going to flee from me seven which ways. Amen. They don't. I don't need to put a fish in the back of the car. My life. My life bears the witness. And do not sow among thorns. In other words, sow wisely. Get rid of the thorns. Break up the fallow ground. Worship. Thanksgiving breaks the fallow ground. Where nothing has been working, stand on it and begin to thank God. When your fields are dry, thank God. Oh, I'm pretty... Sorry, you are in a drought. I'm forgetting that. I'm not being facetious. I'm actually obviously being led of the Holy Spirit, because I totally forgot you're in the middle of a famine, a, a, a drought. But I'm telling you now that behind thankfulness comes miracles. Ask him once. Thank him every day. Oh. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. <laughs> If you've never heard me preach on that, you need to find my YouTube channel and watch me speak on when Joshua is confronted by the captain of the host on the top of the mountain. In the book of, I think it's Exodus at the end, or Deuteron- no, Deuteronomy. He He feels led to go to the top of a mountain because they don't know how to go into Canaan and take it. And he goes to the top of the mountain to worship and to pray and to find out what to do. And what's God's plan to take this nation and destroy the enemies. And so he goes up there and the captain of the host, Jesus, turns up. And Joshua is shocked. Got his sword out and says, are you for us? Are you for them? And he says, no, I'm for the Lord. You're supposed to be for us. And he tells him what the strategy is. And when he comes down, he gets the trumpeter to blow a trumpet. And the trumpet blows a trumpet that all the mature men of armed ability who could fight battles are called to the bottom of this hill where Joshua has just been up. And so 600,000 men stand in front of him. And all the priests are there. And probably they're all thinking, ooh, he's been in the presence of the Lord. He went up to find a strategy to defeat the enemy. He's got it. And we're going to know. And we're going to go to battle. And we're going to win. And he says, the word of the Lord. Yes, go on. Be ye circumcised. Yes. What? What's circumcision? They don't know. It's Generations have gone since they were circumcised. So they're shouting down, what's circumcision? What's circumcision? Abe, the oldest guy. What's, What circum, what? No, 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 <laughs> Circumcision, what are you thinking about? Circumcision is what? And as they look forward, all, <laughs> all the priests are pulling out two flint knives, sharpening them, heading towards the guys. And all the guys are backing off. No, Why? why? Well, these priests, they're not practicing on me. They haven't done it ever before. Now they've been told you're going to circumcise 600,000 men. I bet there was a lot of New Testament preferential. After you, after you. Because at least after 20, they may have it right. These priests are thrilled. They've heard about the stories of circumcision. Now they get a chance to practice and do it. Yeah, but 600,000 men are going to have to put their most intimate, vulnerable part in someone else's hands and trust them with a flint knife. And the flint knife goes right around the foreskin and they grab it and pull it off. But it's attached to what's underneath. So all of a sudden, you've got 600,000 grown men screaming like babies because it hurts and it exposes you and causes pain and 600,000 men are bent over saying, oh God, don't let the Amalekites come now. Don't let the Agurkishites come now. Don't let the enemies come now. Why? Well, I can't defend myself. No, but you're in the right place to watch God defend your intimacy is restored because before you were circumcised there was no vulnerability that's the key thing about intimacy it's removing a bit of flesh that stops you being intimate a bit of flesh that's covering up the most sensitive part of a man's anatomy and it's ripped away and of course that's the old testament physical But the New Testament is the heart that God removes by the work of the spirit and by the sword of the spirit. He removes the flesh that's hardened over the heart. Just like the soles of your feet, you walk on them, walk on them, walk on them, and they get harder and harder and harder. And you're no longer sensitive. So you go to a a, a certain surgeon or you go to a certain doctor or nurse and they will Pull it all off. They will take it all off and restore you back to sensitivity. That's what circumcision is. And he's saying, Jeremiah's is prophesying to Judah and to Jerusalem and the whole nation. You're in the mess you're in because you've lost your sensitivity. You're no longer sensitive to God. You're no longer intimate with him. You've got hard. Oh, and how the devil loves people's hearts to go hard. go cold to be less intimate tomorrow than they were today he loves it but this prophecy goes on circumcise yourselves to the lord And take away the foreskins of your hearts, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it. Because of the evil of your doings, declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, blow the trumpet in the land. That trumpet is the sound of praise. Blow the trumpet of praise in the land is what he's saying he says there is a call I want to say to you today there is something shifting in the spirit realm. There is something going on on the planet and the devil is at work and he is beginning to maneuver stuff all over and Christians are more concerned about practical things than they are about spiritual things. It is time to get our eyes off the earth and put them back on the heavens. It's time to begin to make us joyful sound unto God with a Voice of triumph! It's about time we shed forth our hands and begin to sing with joyfulness, with thankfulness, and begin to praise Him and create a earthquake in the heavenlies because it's war. Praise is warfare to the devil. You don't have to wage war with the devil. Just worship because that is waging war. You just got to sing unto God and the warfare takes place and it begins to push back the strongholds. It begins to push back the, the dominions. It begins to push back those evil spirits that control regions. Have you ever seen A city, and on one side of the road it's prosperous, and on the other side it's the very opposite. Spirits, come on, it's spirits. And the world says, "What we need to do is give them money." And the church says, "Yes, let's bless them. Let's give them rugs, and let's give them cars, and let's give them food parcels, and let's give them all this, that, and the other." Just take the church in the middle of it and worship. Just take the church. Listen, I, I had a phone call from a man who heard me, a pastor in Denmark, in Copenhagen, the capital city. He heard me minister this, this very message. He heard me minister it in a conference in Amsterdam. And he came up to me, he said, would you come and preach that and do a whole weekend of that teaching to my church? I said, where are you? He said, Copenhagen. So I said, sure. So we made the date, went over. He had a specific date he wanted, so I went. And I taught Friday night, all day Saturday. And it was a day like this out here. It was boiling hot. And I was so hot at about five o'clock. I'd finished the seminar. And there was going to be a short, refreshing break. And then they were going to have this. They wanted me to lead worship. And I said, okay, I need to go outside and cool down. Because I said, I'm burning up. So I was standing outside drinking a glass of water. And the pastor comes out to make sure I'm okay. And was standing by the side of me. And he begins to tell me that every year... In Copenhagen, every drug addict you could think of comes to a festival in that city. And they're allowed to take all the drugs they want as long as they stay on this island in the middle of Copenhagen. As long as they're on there, the police won't bother them. They can have free sex. They can have sex and nudity on all the streets. So, In other words, you can walk down there and you can look like this and there's somebody right there in the nude and they're making love. He said, you can, you'll see every ungodly thing you can think of. But it's all turned a blind eye to, as long as it's on the island. And he said, we have been pleading with the government for 20 years to stop it. And they will not stop it. When we've been praying, why isn't God answering? And I just looked at him. I said, well, have you thanked him for the answer? All right. Or have you just kept asking because if you just ask and don't thank, you don't believe. You're not expecting anything. It's as simple as that. Have you, have you had a season where you stopped asking and just started thanking? And he went, no. I said, well, maybe that's what we ought to do in that room tonight. I said, by the way, where in Copenhagen is this? He said, right here. I said, Where? He said, right here. We're in the middle of it now. Oh, I said, this is the area. Okay, so you've got the hall here. So when does this happen? What time of year? Maybe we ought to have an event in the middle of it. He said, it's on this weekend, right now. (laughs) That's why we're doing this this weekend. I So all of a sudden, I could hear the musicians start to sing a play and sing this chorus whatever. And I'm going, no, no, no. I want to tell them what to do. I want to tell them what to do. It's too late. They're gone. They're on. They're singing in the spirit. They're worshiping God. So I just grab a microphone and shout over the top of them. Everyone, turn to the north, south, east and west. Look out over your city. Look out over your area. Look out over the nation. And begin to thank God for an overwhelming response to all of your praise and all of your prayer. Stop asking, start thanking. And the people just got, I mean, it was like a fire exploded. They hundreds of just went to the walls, laying hands on the walls. Ramakasharab, singing in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That was probably by the time we finished about eight o'clock at night. I went to bed. There was a knock on the door at 5 past 12. And the, the pastor said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to wake up. thought, gosh, the house is on fire. Something's happened, you know. And so he's knocking. And he said, I didn't want you to miss. It's just been announced on television. The government has banned and closed the festival. And they will never, ever have it again. <laughs> I'm not going, this is me. I'm going, it's amazing. There are some things in the church that work. Hello? This isn't rocket science. If you ask, you should expect an answer. We've been told what the answer is. Yes and amen. If it's in alignment with the word, if it's alignment with his character, if it's alignment with his covenant, the answer is yes. So ask once and begin to rejoice. Begin to thank him. Okay. I'm trying to help you. We nearly come to the end. He goes on and says, Take away the foreskins of your hearts, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Declare in Judah, proclaim in Jerusalem and say, Blow the trumpet in the land We need somebody to rise up All over the world In every nation of the world And begin to blow the trumpet We need to get Christians everywhere To know this This is not the time To sit back and wonder Oh my God Oh my God The cost of living Oh my God Oh my God We have a Democrat in. Oh my God Oh my God As if the Democrat or the Republican Can stop a praise event Listen, God doesn't answer because of a political party allegiance. He answers because of faith. And I'm going to deal with that right now. I hope today you understand my spirit when I'm saying this. He says, cry, gather together, worship Does something in the spirit realm that causes people of the same spirit to gather into a place of unity and agreement in the spirit. And wherever there's agreement in the spirit, there is going to be a reply and a response out of heaven. Because if two or three agree on anything on the earth, That will be done for you. That will be done. You need to shout it out. It will be done. It will. Not might. It might. Ah, If you've been a good boy or girl, because if you have a bad day, you messed it all up. It can't happen now, can it? I'm always a good boy. I don't care what my flesh does. I'm a good boy. Because God says I am, He says I'm righteous. Abraham said to the Lord, if there's 50 righteous people, will you stay your punishment? He says, yes, if there's 50. He said, what happens if there's 20? Yeah, said, what happens if there's 10? It's like a game. Yeah. He gets all the way down. What happens if there's just one? one? And the Lord said, okay, if there's one. Well, it was. He won a very good man. His name was Lot. And yet he was in there. Yeah. So for the only way for God to have the 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 impact he wanted to have on the nation was to remove not a lot. Then the judgment came. Now that's the negative. Guess what happens if the righteous person stays there? Hello? If one righteous person, I can see a few dozen in this room. Especially if I look this end. (laughs) If you are in agreement and you believe the same thing will take place, it starts to take place. Imagine if the whole church went to a place where there was darkness and began to praise. I'm telling you what's going to happen. The same is going to happen in a city as would happen in a house. And the same will happen in a house what happens in a person. If there's a demon-possessed person in your presence and you start singing the spirit, I can tell you what's going to happen. That demon is going to leave. And the person will either leave with them or the person will let the the demon go. I was in my church auditorium one day. I was asked to lead worship. I didn't used to lead it very often, but I was trying to teach the guys two songs I wanted us to, to sing. And so we were having a practice session and all of a sudden the door opens and, and the lady in the church comes in and says, uh, sorry to bother you, Wynn. Is it okay? This is Daniel. He was sleeping on the road outside. I brought him in. It's too cold. I brought him in and I've given him some soup and some food and, and he's having a cup of coffee and he's heard the music and, and said, can he come in and listen while it's warm? So I said, shoo, Daniel, come in and sit. Take a seat. I'll be with you in a minute. We'll be nearly finished. Just practicing this one song. Can I tell you, all I did was go... One, two, three, one, two, three. I struck a chord and that boy, bam, on the floor and started on his hands and knees running round the building like as if he was a dog, barking, cowered under the back chairs of the, right at the back of the auditorium. And I said, just keep playing a moment. And I just walked down to him and just commanded that demon to come out and it came out. But what got me was the demon. Nor Daniel heard one word out of my mouth or anybody's mouth. All they heard was a strike of a rhythm of a chord. Hello? Uh, Hello? One chord, which was the first chord of a worship song. Bam! And I thought, I wonder what would happen if I played two? What would have happened if I sung? And that boy got delivered and set free. Well, listen, listen. I, I, the demonic, you might not be demon possessed, but the demons still try to influence you. Well, guess what? Sing. Sing. Sing to your father. Sing to him love songs. Sing in the spirit. Constantly do it. Live a lifestyle of it and begin to experience a liberty that comes in your spirit, your soul, your body, your mind, your marriage, your family, your bank account, your spending, your receiving, your ministry, your workplace. Everywhere you go, you'll begin to see a liberty from the very things that tormented you. Some people get migraines and I go, well, sing. Start singing. Fill your body with the vibrations of worship because worship is a vibration of light. And wherever light is projected out of the body, it's going to disperse darkness. So if a lot of light comes out of your body, a lot of darkness is dispersed. Imagine if the whole of your body is filled with light because you have a lifestyle of praising God and a lifestyle of thankfulness. I'm telling you, that negative, doubting spirit will leave your mindset. And those thoughts that come and want to stay and take over, they begin to flee in an instant. Why? Because the devil cannot stay where they there is God's influence. He cannot. Wherever there's true worship. That's why he loves going to a religious church. You'll always find him in a religious church. You, sorry, you will. You will always find him at work in a religious church. Why? Because they are unbelieving believers. They believe us in Jesus, but they're not activating the belief system and using faith. You can sing the songs and not, never ignite faith. But you could tonight just say, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to raise my hands. And I'm going to worship. And I'm going to thank God for the 10 things I've been asking for that haven't happened. I'm going to stop asking and I'm going to thank him right now. And start singing in the spirit. I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you countless thousands of miracles that have happened in my own life. And nobody has said a thing, nobody's heard a thing, but a miracle happens because I was in my room singing in the spirit or because I was in my car singing in the spirit. Bam! God inhabits the praises of his people and that word inhabits means to sit down as a judge. No, not to judge you, but to judge on your behalf. In other words, it's his throne. God inhabits the praises of his people. He enthrones himself. So when you start worshiping, All of a sudden, the throne of God begins to manifest in the earth. And as you begin a lifestyle of worship, all of a sudden, the the authority and the government and the principle and the power of Almighty God begins to invade every area of your life. And it's going to shake, rattle, and roll every chain that's still holding you, every prison door that won't open, every way forward that seems to be blocked, every way out that seems to be hindered, every, every every which way, you don't know which way to go, which way is up, which way is down, just singing the Spirit. And all of a sudden, the anointing begins to shake the Spirit realm because it is the Spirit realm that's trying to stop you moving forward. Wow. Assemble yourselves. And that word assemble means to be realigned in right relationships or put together like an army. The army of worshipers come together, come into agreement, be realigned, get your relationships right, don't be, so, don't be so proud, don't be so self-centered, don't be so egotistical that the other person's got to do all the apologizing, what does it matter, what's more important, souls, miracles, or, or feelings, oh thank you, And let us go into the fortified cities and set up the standard toward Zion. Wow. The word standard means a signal, a point. Like a sign pointing to utopia. The sign isn't utopia. The sign's pointing to utopia. And he says, let's set up a sign to Zion. Zion is the city of David. It's in the middle of Jerusalem. And Isaiah says, Jerusalem is the daughter of Zion. In other words, the city is birthed from the place of Zion. Zion is at the top of a hill where there was a worship tent. David's tabernacle was not like Moses' tabernacle or Solomon's temple, full of rituals and stuff like that and and sacrifices and full of furniture. It was a simple white tent with the Ark of the Covenant on full view. No view, no veil whatsoever. They sacrificed a massive offering on the first day and never sacrificed another offering all the 40 years David was alive. But all they did was seven hours... Three three shifts of eight every day. 120 worshippers were inside that tabernacle. Worshipping God day and night. Seven days a week. Every day of the year for 40 years. And it silenced his enemies. His enemies became his friends. And his enemies gave him all the materials for Solomon to build the the, the temple. And all David did was focus on Worship, And everything began to flow from a point of worship. Zion in the Old Testament is a physical place. And if you go to Jerusalem today, you will find they've uncovered the city of David. And somewhere in there was David's tabernacle. Yeah, but this is pointing forward also to the book of Hebrew, where it tells you that Zion is not a physical city. It's not a physical hill It's a company of people. It's a company of people who've risen up and come to a place of agreement and unity to worship in spirit and in truth. And from that place, everything begins to flow to the earth. Because worship takes the authority over the spirit realm. I'm not going to go into the other scripture. I had a wonderful scripture. There's one line. Let me just read the one line and then I go to the piano. It says that when Paul was confronted on the road to Damascus in, in the book of Acts, you can find it yourself. He tells the story what happens. And here's what it says it says that he was to be delivered from the Jews and delivered from the Gentiles. In other words, a worshiper is not, it doesn't matter what you're born. The moment you become a worshiper, if you want to be a true worshiper of God, you've got to get let go of the natural and take forth the spiritual. And Paul was told, I'm going to deliver you from the Jews and I'm going to deliver you from the Gentiles so that you can minister to them. (laughs) Well, it's true. If you're like people, you can't minister to them. If you're just the same as them, how could you minister to them? If you moan and groan about the things that they moan and groan at, you can't deliver them, can you? So it's trying to tell us there is a higher nature. Yeah, it's called the new creation. It's in the inside of every born-again Christian. And we must look to that nature. It's the nature of God himself. It's been made in his likeness. It's like Jesus standing in front of us. He is neither Jew nor Gentile. He is a new creation. The created one that rose from the dead in a new format never been seen before and you were born again after the Jesus of uh, the Jesus that came out of the tomb not the Jesus that went in Jesus of Nazareth went in but the Lord of all glory came out you were born with his DNA and if you keep thinking American and I keep thinking Welsh then we're never going to get anywhere because we're still making ourselves lower than we meet, need to be he says no you're neither American nor Welsh you're not black you're not white you're not young you're You're not old, you're not rich, you're not poor, you're not male, you're not female. You are the new creation and you are a worshipper. And if you start to worship from that perspective, you begin to realize, I have all authority over every demonic principality and power. Because it tells you in the book of Ephesians, you're seated in Christ, far above him. Will every believer get in that place in faith and begin to believe it and think like it and talk like it and act like it and sing like it? Because worship sweeps aside all the demonic. So if you're looking at America today and saying, my God, the devil is doing the worst he can do. No, no, no. Stop blaming the devil. Don't blame the devil. He has no power. It goes on in this passage in Acts, in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. There's only two powers, God or Satan. So the people of this earth are under the influence of God or Satan. If they're under the influence of Satan, Satan has blinded their eyes that they might not see. So we all sit in the room and go, golly, so many people are going to go to hell. Or we could say, no, 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 no. That's our mistake. We've become silent. He's made us silent. Instead of Psalm 8.1, 8.2 tells us that the song of a babe suckling at the breast of its mother will silence the enemy it's talking about you can be the babyest christian just got saved having your first taste of the milk of god but should you raise up your hands right. and begin to sing in the spirit your worship right. it silences the enemy And yet we've got a church that's been silenced. It's time to blow the trumpet. It's time to declare war. It's time to stand up and raise our hands and begin to thank for everything that we've been praying about and we're still praying about. Let's stop praying about it and thank him for it. Let's begin to lift up our hands and come to that place in the spirit where you can sense the Holy Spirit bringing the whole body of Christ to one place of unity and watch the atmosphere change because light Invades darkness. And life invades death. And wholeness and health. And the life of God begins to fill everywhere. And I tell you what's going to happen. The influence of the devil. Moves over. Well the people who were under the influence. Will now be free to see. And they shall see. It says of the Hebride revivals in the 50s that the preachers were in a boat and one of my friends was in that boat. He was, they were all rowing the boat to the Hebride revival to preach the gospel. And they said what looked like a cloud of rain began to fall and stay, but they realized it wasn't rain. It was the glory cloud of God. And when they got there, The whole community, the whole population of the islands were in the chapels crying and weeping on their faces because the presence of God had done the job. All the preachers did was reap the harvest. The Welsh Revival did exactly the same multitudes upon multitudes suddenly began to give their life to Christ. I met a man in the middle of a, a revival down in Wales in the 60s. He, he was driving past the Bible College of Wales. He was a heathen. He was a swearer. He was a smoker, a drinker, an adulterer. And he was driving his truck and the truck slammed into an unseen wall. It was nothing in front of him, but he slammed into a wall, and the engine turned up. And all of a sudden, the power of God hit him, convicted him of his sin, and he got out onto his face, begging God for mercy. He had never been to a church in his life. What he didn't know was the the building he was standing at is leaning on the floor. Right by there was the Bible College of Wales. And all the staff and students were praying for the glory of God to hit people all around the area of that village and town. You can go read the books of revival and you will find the glory comes upon a whole community. How can that happen? Because the warfare has done its job. It's cleared the atmosphere. Calling Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. We doubt you so much. Help us, Lord, to be thankful. Not for what you've done, but for what you're going to do. We thank you right now for rain. We thank you for enough rain in this community, in this area, right across. We thank you, Lord, for the spiritual climate to change and people in their multitudes will come to Christ and be saved. Thank you, Lord. Miracles will be normal, deliverances will be normal. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. <sighs> Did you receive something? Why don't you stand? Why don't you stand and just turn to somebody, give them a hug, tell them, I'm receiving tonight and so are you. You're going to receive tonight. I don't know about you, but moments like that, I just want to go. I just want to go. I do. I don't don't want to come back because I can taste. I can taste the worship. Of the throne of God. Because we just brought it here. So really, we don't have to go anywhere. It's right here. But it makes me feel I want to stay there. And I wish I could. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you this anointing to receive in the spirit, Lord, will stay on this company of people. The grace of God to receive miracles. Answers to prayer so easily. In Jesus' mighty name. I pray for Brother Robert and Laura, Father, I thank you. I thank you for the relationship we have because of you. And I thank you for the love that we have and the love that they have for us. But I pray right now that this would be a special season for them, to be courageous. Head over heels, foolishly courageous for Jesus. And to break something loose in this region. May he be known as the crazy preacher. The crazy cowboy. But let people come from the north, south, east and west. We call them today. Come. Come from all quarters. Come to the water hole. And be refreshed. In Jesus name. Jesus name. God bless you.
0: Praise God. That's hard to follow. Praise uh, God. Uh, just be seated for just a moment. And, uh, you know, I want to encourage you about something as we go. Um, well, first of all, there, there may be some of you here that, to, that did not get to sow an offering Sunday morning and you want to sow an offering um, so I'm just going to have the bu- the ushers in the back of the church, just have a bucket back there and, you know, you know what to do and just place it in there and I want to pray over it in a minute. But, uh, you know, church, God is, God is doing such a great work and, you know, I, I it was prophesied over this church years ago that if we'd honor God, he'd send the greatest through this church and pastor Wynn and Gwen, they're, they're such awesome, amazing, loving worship, worshipful. Uh, people. I'm so glad we have a connection there. And I, I'm asking y'all to really uh, be praying for Wales. You know, um, the world's been upside down since everything was locked down, but now it's opened back up and and God's got a mission over there. I really believe for a Bible school over there. I believe uh, when I was there in Wales, I just know that God's got something special going on. And I would just love to have it where we're sending y'all to Wales. Uh, part of the worship team, he's talking. We're just, Y'all, you know, we go to wells on a continual basis, go back to Guatemala, go to Kenya, just whatever needs to take place. And so, but you know, God's got to move. Hello? I don't want to do anything out of my own strength. I want it to be God. So anyway, y'all be praying about that. Be praying for them. Go to their website. uh, Look at wingoss.com and and stay up with them. If you don't get his teaching that comes out every week, uh, you need to get it. Sign up for it. It'll come to you. Uh, Keep you encouraged. Keep you uh, blessed. Amen. So look at the person beside you and say, man, I'm glad I was here tonight. And so if you would stand up and I want to pray over you. And like I said, if you have an offering you want to to give tonight, the, the offering buckets are there in the back of the church. But Father, I just declare right now in Jesus name, Lord, I believe you for something special done in the spirit tonight. I believe you, Lord God, that the power of the Holy Ghost sits and rests upon everyone watching this program, everyone in here tonight. I thank you, Lord God, that we leave this building in just a spirit of worship and, it, and it's not going to leave. Lord, we wanna, when, when the attack of the enemy comes down, we're going to stand up and praise and we're going to worship. And then coming out of us is going to be the power of God released unto this world. So Lord, we give you praise for it. We thank you for it, Lord God. I just declare, Lord, that you you have your hand upon us and you're going to lead us and guide us and direct us. And Lord, we give you all the praise for it. Bless their tithes, bless their offerings, bless their giving, bless their businesses, O oh Lord God, and everything that they put their hands to, Lord. And we give you praise for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, church. Greet a few people before you go. Hug a few necks, and we'll see you again.